Open your Bibles, please, to the book of John, chapter 1. And I'm uh, so glad to have you either watching us online or here in person. It's a great, if any one thing has been made evident to me in these, um, in these days, it is how valuable worship is and how much we need the Lord and each other. And I'm thankful that we can worship. Open your Bibles to John 1. Um, we're going to, Lord willing, start life groups for all ages again, including our children and our preschoolers on August the 16th. We'll need, a, I mean, we'll try to do everything we can to be both safe and accessible. Those two things seem at odds a lot. You know, it's safe and accessible. Both, both matter. We'll try to do all we can in that. We're going to need a lot of help assisting us and kind of making it safe and accessible. People cleaning, people teaching, of course, and, um, and we're going to even have a day of prayer and fasting in August. I'll say more about that. We get a little closer. We really want the Lord to be in this. And uh, we're grateful. Some preschoolers come into the service now, and I, I, as I say, I, I don't mind uh, screaming babies don't bother me. Screaming adults, they bother me, but screaming babies don't bother me. Although the, uh, some use the gym for family worship as well, and if that works for you, that's great. We'll open your Bibles to John 1. Last week, we looked at the nature of Jesus. Remember, John 1 really gives us a lot of theology. Who is God? And what's He about? And we looked last week at the nature of Jesus, how the Bible says He is the Word, how He is a part of everything that's created, that the world happened not by accident, but, but there is a someone who made this something, that God created this world, and that Jesus was a part of that because Jesus is by nature God. He is a part of who God is, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit spirit, one God with three ways of being, but that's his very nature, and that he cared about us enough that he came into this world. And this week, we're going to look at a man named John. We sometimes call him John the Baptist or John the Baptizer, and John is not the Word. He is not the Logos. He is a man. He's a broken man, like every man in this world, every man and woman. We're all broken. We've all sinned. He was a broken man. He needed a Savior, just like everyone needs a Savior. He needed forgiveness like we all need forgiveness. He needed what Jesus could do like we all need what Jesus could do. But God did a great work in him. And I want you to see how God can work through you as well. Sometimes we talk about how God works in us, and he does. But I want you to see that God can work through you as well. Not just in you, though he does work in you. But how God can work through you and how God wants to make a difference through you. And if he could do, listen, if he could work through John the Baptist, he can work through you. If God is big enough to use a man like John to accomplish his purposes, God is able to use someone like you to accomplish his purposes. So let's read John chapter 1, beginning with verse 6. The Bible says, There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify about the light so that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but he came to testify about the light. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. Well, I want you to know, as we, as we said, God wants to work through us, not just in us, but also through us. And let's note five principles of how God works, and we're going to make application of this to our lives. This is not just something we learned about John the Baptist who lived a long time ago, but something God wants us to learn for our own lives, our own generation, and our own time. So if you've got something to write with, let's write these five principles down in your message notes. If you're watching online, you can do it through the church app or right there, just something with, to write with. Let's note these five principles. Number one, would you note, we have a mission. We have a mission. Verse 6 says it like this. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. 
Now notice what it says about him. Not, it doesn't just tell us his name, but it tells us that he was a man. By the way, he was a man, a broken man, a sinful man, a fallen man, just like all of us. But he was sent from God. He was sent from God. This is telling us that John's life was not an accident. It was not an accident. And can I tell you, your life is not an accident. It's not an accident. Your life has value and worth and meaning because you're created in the image of God for a purpose. And John was sent from God. Notice the Bible says he, was, he had a mission. He was sent from God. You do too. You have a mission. You may, this is the part I think that people are sort of surprised about, that God, God has, wants me to do it. Because I kind of get that the missionaries, they have a mission. They're sent by God to do something. But me? So in 1978, a movie came out. I don't know that I've ever actually seen, I've seen parts of it on television. I've never seen the whole movie. I can't commend it to you fully because it, I know it's got uh, foul language, etc. But it's a movie called uh, The Blues Brothers. And it says, and this has got this, it's kind of in my generation, it was a big movie. It still kind of has a cult following almost, and they did a remake even. And the guys, the two main characters say in the movie, I think several times, they say, we're on a mission from God. We're on a mission from God. They're like saving an orphanage. It's going to go broke. It has to pay taxes back or something. And so they're going to save this orphanage by doing the things they do. Well, it's not a Christian movie. But this theme, we're on a mission from God, is not entirely inaccurate. It's not entirely inaccurate, Right? Because the Bible said John was sent from God. And the Bible tells us we are gifted by God and sent by God to do what he wants us to do. So if you're a note taker, let's just note a couple of things here. Would, would you note uh, two things I want you to note. Christian, first, Christians have benefits. Christians have benefits. Is that fair to say? You have the benefit of being forgiven of sins. That's a great benefit. If you know Christ as Savior, the Bible says God gives you a home in heaven. That's a great benefit. You are loved dearly by God, adopted into his family. That's a great benefit. Now, in in American culture, Christians in American culture often see this side. Christians have benefits, but they fail to see the other side of it. So, So write this down as well. Christians have benefits. Note as well, Christians have responsibilities. This is the part that gets left out of the Western church all often. Christians have responsibilities. So uh, we love the benefits, and we ought to. It's not a small thing to say God forgives sins. It's not a small thing. It's not a small thing to say God loves us and cares about us, or that God gives us heaven that we could not deserve instead of the wrath that would rightly be ours. It's not a small thing to say that. Christians have benefits. But if you don't, listen, many in our Western world have missed this Christians have responsibilities. John had benefits. He was forgiven by the Lord. He was loved by the Lord. He was adopted into God's family. But he also had responsibilities. The Bible says he was sent from God. So God gifted him and God gifts you. If you know Christ as Savior, God has given you both benefits and responsibilities. He's gifted you so that you can serve him and he has called you. Not every Christian is called to be a missionary to another country. 
And not every Christian is called to be a pastor. Not every Christian is called to be a life group teacher. But every Christian, every Christian is gifted by God to make a difference in this world for his glory. Every Christian has responsibilities. Every Christian. So the benefits and the responsibilities of faith go together. And we have a mission. I want you to note that. There's a second principle I'd like you to note. We have a testimony. We have a testimony. Verse 7 says, there was a man, verse 6 says, there's a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify about the light so that all might believe through him. So if you're taking notes, would you write the word witness down? You, you know what a witness is in life. A witness is someone who tells what they know. So John was, some of you might not even know this, John, uh, his mother and Jesus' mother, Mary, the mother of Jesus, are relatives. So John and John the Baptist and Jesus are some sort of relatives, some sort of cousins. And John could say about him, this guy is different. He's holy. He's lived the life I couldn't live, the perfect life. He's lived the life I couldn't, I couldn't live, the perfect life. I haven't lived that life. I'm broken. But this man, he's lived the life I couldn't live. He's different. Now, if I had uh, one of my relatives go to a court of law, I've got a bunch of cousins, and I am pretty sure some of them have been, have stood before a judge in a court of law before. I'm just pretty sure of that. They know which ones they are. Uh, but let's imagine that one of my cousins stands, uh, gets, they call before a court of law, and they say, you know, they're a witness. They put their hand on the Bible. You swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, nothing but the truth, so help you God. And they, they do, and they get in the witness stand, and and they say, and so the attorney says, Look, I want to ask you some questions about your cousin, Doug. And they think to themselves, I knew this day was coming. All right. Great. Ask away. And they say, has this guy lived the perfect life? I mean, he, has he lived the holy life? Have you ever observed anything in his life that will lead you to believe that maybe his life hasn't been perfect? They would say, if they were being honest, no, he hadn't lived the perfect life. We saw the way he ran around at family reunions. That kid is like a crazy man when he was young. He disobeys parents. He get into fights with his brothers, which in my defense was primarily the fault of my brothers. I just want to note that for the record, primarily their fault. Maybe I had a little part to play. They had to, I think I should defend myself slightly here. Sometimes he was, they would say, sometimes Doug was selfish and self-centered. And, no, he hasn't lived the perfect life. And John said what the truth about Jesus that he could say about no one else. He lived the life that no one else could live. By the way, your cousins could say the same about you, right? Your friends could say the same about you. If you didn't have the Fifth Amendment, you could self-incriminate yourself just fine, right? We've all sinned against God. We've all done something less than holiness. We've all gone our own way. Selfishness is not new to us. But Jesus lived the perfect life. And John was a witness to this man who lived the life that we couldn't live. And therefore, was worthy to die death in our place. He's the only one. If I was going to die, I'd have to die for me. I'm the sinner. But Jesus, who lived the perfect life, could die in our place. Write the word testify here. It says in verse 7, he came as a witness to testify about the light. He's saying, 
I give testimony that this man reveals God to us, that by him I'm able to see who God is. God wants us, by the way, to testify to others. That's our responsibility as believers, those of us who name the name of Christ. It's not just for us. It's not just the benefits of faith, but also the responsibilities of faith. And God wants us to testify. We are a witness to what God has done. We give testimony to God's changing our own lives, to God's work in us. And we testify that by the Lord Jesus, we are able to see more of who God is and who we are. We have a testimony. Principle number three, we have a purpose. We have a purpose. So let's go back to verse seven to the text. It says, he came as a witness to testify about the light so that, now this gets to purpose, this gets to the goal, to the aim, so that, well, why did he witness and why did he testify? So that, all might believe through him. See that in the text. So that there's a purpose here. So that all might believe through him. He's saying, the text is saying here, that John came to be a witness so that all might believe through him. He testified about the light so that all might believe through him. We want all to believe. Everyone. Now we can't save anyone. Did you know that? I can't make anyone forgive, uh, be forgiven of sins. I can't make anyone trust Christ as Savior. I can't save you or anyone else. Can't save myself. Only the Lord can do that. But we want people to come to know the Lord. And we want all people. The Bible says so that all might believe. We want, the Bible tells us in heaven there'll be people from every tribe and tongue and nation. You know what? The world just divides us over all of these things. The world divides us. We're divided over the color of our skin. That's what the world wants to do. We see it all the time. Over your background, over a thousand things. But the Lord wants all, every nation, every tongue, every tribe. And in heaven we'll see, the Lord is the only one who can bring the unity that we need. He is the one who breaks down the barriers. Our broken world is broken and the dividers are a reminder of the brokenness of this world. But the Lord brings, he breaks down those dividing walls and he brings unity to us. And in heaven one day, we'll experience the fullness of that unity. So the Bible says, so that all might believe through him. And notice it says, it happens by placing faith. We have a purpose. We want all to place their faith in Christ. We want them to believe or we want them to trust. Sometimes when we say believe, we we think that means just kind of mental assent. And I, I think you can mentally assent to something you don't really trust. The word used here, faith or belief or trust, it's more than just knowing about something. It's trusting the Lord. It's about placing your faith in the Lord on Wednesday nights and preaching through the book of Hebrews. And we're in chapter 11 where the Bible says, without faith, it is impossible to please God. It's impossible to please him. Faith matters that much. We have to trust him. We have to believe in him. And so here's our purpose. Here's our so that. We plead with others to be reconciled to God. We plead with others. That's what the Bible says. We plead with others to be reconciled to God. We can't save anyone. We can't make anyone follow the Lord. But we, like beggars who find the bread of life, we plead with other beggars to come to know Christ as Savior. And we want, we're not neutral on this, so we don't say... Listen, uh, if you guys trust Christ as Savior, great. If you don't, no big deal. 
We don't say to our family members, you know, if you give your life to Christ, that'd be, you know, swell. But if you don't, you know, up to you. No, we plead with our family members and we plead with our friends. May May I say we plead with our enemies, those who hate us, to be reconciled to God. We testify, we witness, so that all might believe through him. We want you to be saved. I cannot save you. Grandma cannot save you. Your life group teacher cannot save you. But we can plead with you to give your life to Christ. And even this day, you could come to know him as Savior. We're not neutral on this. We are sharing the gospel so that all may believe through him. There's a fourth principle I want you to note with me. And that is we have a hero. We have a hero. Verse 8 says it like this. He was not the light. John the Baptist is not the light. But he came to testify about the light. John the Baptist is not the hero of the story. John the Baptist is not the hero of the story. John the Baptist is a broken man who finds that hero who can heal his life. You and I are not the heroes of our story. We're not the heroes. The Lord is the hero of the story. We want people to see him. Hero movies are all the rage. I mean, it's just there are so many hero movies, the Marvel and DC. And I guess some people really take, feel strongly about one or the other. And, you know, great. I am not, I don't care deeply about which one they are. Some, some of you probably do, but I, there's Black Panther and Iron Man and Spider-Man and just, I just constant. I have, um, I don't, I don't think I want to be a superhero just because some of those guys have to wear masks and I am tired of mask wearing already. I'll just tell you that right now. But we see those heroes and we say, man, I'd like to have some, I'd like to be a hero like that. The hero of our story is the Lord himself. He's the hero. John the Baptist was not the light. Now, God would use him. Don't get me wrong. John the Baptist did heroic things, but he, was, he did them because he recognized that he was not the hero of the story and that the Lord was. The reason God used him so greatly was because he said, I must decrease and he must increase. That's why God used him so much. The hero of the story was never John the Baptist. The hero of our story is never the pastor or the missionary or the life group teacher. It is the Lord himself We don't worship ourselves when we gather. We worship our hero. In fact, it's not even genuinely worship unless it's focused on the Lord. Be very careful about making worship about you. It's always about the Lord. He's the hero of the story. And so the Bible reminds us that uh, he was not the light. But he came to testify about the light. He's pointing people in the right direction. I bet some of you saw this story. It's a fascinating story. A six-year-old boy named Bridger Walker in Cheyenne, Wyoming. I I bet some of you saw this story. Six years old. His little sister got attacked by a dog. And he got between his sister and this dog and uh, got bitten numerous times himself. Something like 90 stitches. I mean really hurt seriously. But he stayed between the dog and his sister to protect her. And here's what he said. Here's what he said. 
if someone had to die, I thought it should be me. Now, that's not an amazing six-year-old. If someone had to die, I thought it should be me. I mean, if there are any heroes in our world, this kid is pretty high up there, six years old. Had he been 60, it would have been a six-year-old boy. If someone had to die, I thought it should be me. Now, can I just tell you what's happened in our world? We are attacked by the enemy, and he, his goal is to kill and steal and destroy. And the Lord Jesus, on our behalf, did for us what we could not do for ourselves. We cannot fight the enemy off by our own power. We're not strong enough to overcome the struggles that we have. We're not strong enough to overcome our sinful past. We can't self-improve our way to perfection. We can't lift ourselves out of a, the, the mire of sin by our own bootstraps. But Jesus did for us what we could not do for ourselves. Not only did he live the life we couldn't live, but he died the death that we deserved. He died in our place. He died in our place. If someone had to die, Jesus said, it's going to be me. I'm going to take your place, your punishment on the cross of Calvary and die the death that should have been yours so that you can have the life that you could never deserve and never earn on your own. That's how much he loves you. That's what this hero has done for you. We're not the, we're not the little boy in the story, you know, protect. We're, the little, we're the little sister, unable to fend off the dog. We're, but the Lord has done for us what we could not do for ourselves. And so in the, when we work our way through this chapter of the Bible, I just want to remind you of the hero of the story. We're, we're a Jesus church. We're about glorifying him. We're not about ourselves. We're not about our, uh, what we want or like. We're, we want to recognize the hero of our story and, the, and recognize that he is so great. That he uses people like us, but we could never do it in our own strength. He is our hero. There's a, there's a fifth principle I want you to know. Would you just write this down? We have a message. We have a message. Verse 9 says this, the true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. Would you write down uh, three words as we work our way through this verse? Write down the word truth. The Bible says the true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. Truth matters. Jesus tells us that the truth is what sets us free. Not our feelings. Not our feelings. Feelings can be even sometimes wrong. Sometimes they can put us in bondage. Truth is what sets us free. Our, how we feel about the truth isn't the issue. The issue is what is true. It's not popular opinions. Truth is not based on what's popular. That changes all the time, by the way. The Lord doesn't take a poll to find out what truth is. Truth is not relative. The Bible tells us truth is constant. There are things that are good and things that are bad and right or wrong, whether we feel like it or not, whether it's popular or not, whether we like it or not, whether we want it to be or not. And so we ought to find what, does, what is the truth, what, does, what, what, is, what is right, what is good, what is true. That's why we say about our church and our description of our church, we say we want to be Bible-based. We want to find out what does God say, not just what does the culture say. We hear that all the time. Not just what do our feelings say. We can feel that all the time. But what does God say? What is true? 
What is a foundation upon which we can build a solid life? So we're always going to try to find the truth and search for the truth, and the Lord tells us that is the means by which we find freedom. Right? The second word I want you to write down is the word light. The Bible says the true light that gives light to everyone. Light reveals things as they are. Christ reveals the truth to us. He's the light of the world. He's the means by which we see the truth. He's the means by which we know who God is. He's the means by which we see the truth about ourselves. I referenced C.S. Lewis last week in the sermon. I want to just give a quote from him. He said this. He said, I believe in Christianity as I believe that the sun has risen, not only because I see it, but because by it I see everything else. I believe in Christianity as I believe that the sun has risen, not only because I see it, but because by it I see everything else. And the Bible tells us that He is the light, the true light. He will show us the truth about ourselves, about the Lord, about our need, and about His answer. And then write the word world. The Bible says the true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. Was coming into the world. There was a theology of um, days gone by called deism. And deism said, we know there has to be some sort of God who made this world. Everything didn't come from nothing. There has to be a something that made this something. And, and they said, there must be a God who made the world. But he made the world and set the laws of physics into motion and then just leaves it. You know, we do our own thing. And that's not what the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches certainly that there's a God who made, someone who made this something, a God who created this world by his spoken power. But the Bible says he gives light to everyone and it was coming into the world. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. We use the word incarnation to describe this. It's saying God didn't just make the world and stay distant. Some of you have seen God like that. God is far away. That's, God is there, out there somewhere. The Bible is saying the, the God who made the world has come to us. He came to us. He, he's, it's the incarnation. He, God, became a man. The Word was with God, and the Word was God, and the Word came into our world, to our broken world, to our broken lives, and cared about us. The light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. It's saying this, God cares about our broken world. I do not understand why, but I know that God cares about our broken world. And God cares about you. Broken you. I do not understand why, but I know that God cares about that broken person called you. You matter to him. So much so that God, who is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, sent the Son into this world to take on human flesh and to live among us the life we couldn't live, to die on the cross the death we deserve, to do the miracle that we could not do for ourselves to rise from the grave, to offer us what we so, so need, salvation and forgiveness adoption into his family, a home in heaven. He cares about you. That's the testimony John and 
the word give to us. Will you bow with me for a word of prayer? And I want to ask you to pray about two things. If you've never trusted Christ as Savior, I'm going to ask you today to make what the Bible calls the most important decision of your life. To repent of your sins and to trust Christ as Savior. And I'm going to lead you in a prayer. If you'd like to give your life to Christ, if you're being convicted that you need Christ as Savior, the Bible tells us the Holy Spirit does that, I'm going to ask you today to give your life to Christ. To trust Him as your Savior. And you can pray a prayer like this. Saying words you don't mean won't change anything. But if, as you watch online or if you're here in, in person, if you, if you want to give your life to Christ today, you could pray a prayer like this. From your heart to the heart of God, dear Lord Jesus, just tell him, dear Lord Jesus, I know I've sinned against you. Just tell him that. I know I've sinned against you. I haven't lived the perfect life. But I believe you did. And I believe you died on the cross in my place. And I believe you rose from the dead. And you did the miracle that no one else could do. And that you can save me. And so here and now, just tell him from your heart to his heart, here and now, Lord, I'm going to turn from my sin and I want to give my life to you and I want to trust you as my Savior and my Lord. I want to trust you as my Savior and my Lord. And if you mean that, Christ will save you. Don't keep it to yourself. Let other people know. Text us if you're online. Fill out more information on a connection card if you're here. Grow in your faith. Learn more about the things of God. But man, what a... What a great thing to think the God of the universe cares so much about you and he'll save you and forgive you. And Christian, those of you who know Christ as Savior, would you say, Lord, I, I am thankful for the benefits of faith, but I also want to keep the responsibilities of faith. Would you tell him that? Thank you for working in me. God, would you also work through me? Just tell him that. God, I want to be on the mission that you have for me. I want to use my testimony. I want to see my purpose. I want to exalt you as my hero. I want to share that message. Lord, I, would you use me, work through me to accomplish your purposes? Father, I want to thank you for the power of your word, the hope that it gives, the meaning and purpose it gives to our lives. Thank you. You love us so much that you work in us. And thank you. You love other people so much you work through us. So, Father, would you do a work in our lives? For those who prayed to receive you as Savior today, would you help them to see how big this is, help them to grow in their faith, to learn more about you? For those today who, as believers, are recognizing that you want to work through them and not just in them, would you honor that in their lives and bless that? And, and Lord, would you help them to be faithful in serving you? Would you help us to do what you tell us to do in your word and to point people to the only hero of our faith. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.